Thanks, everybody, for listening to episode 11 of Paddock Pals. We've got a great episode planned for you today. I'm Warren. And I'm Rachel. Today, we will take a look back at a couple of things from the recap of the uh, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix that we missed or that came out after we recorded on Sunday. There is, uh, well, when everybody's listening to this, the Las Vegas Grand Prix will be announced for 2023. So we'll touch on that as some of the rumored details are coming out because we're recording this before it's out there. But I've seen some uh, rumors have been doing a deep dive into potential stuff. So we will have that. And then as we talked about what the championship battle is shaping up to be this year is Max Verstappen or Verstappen, whatever you want to call his last name, against Charles Leclerc. And they have a history with each other. So we'll go back to the carding days, play, so, play the most funny, the most infamous clip that will be going around all season long from their carding days and how they've done in the uh, F3-2-1 series um, along those lines. You can check us out. You can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play. Um, also, if you'd like to send in an audio uh, message for us that we could play on here, if we get a bunch of them, we'll do with that. You can go to Anchor FM and do that. The link is also in the description um, of the episode. It will take you there. And follow us on Twitter at uh, Paddock Pals. Rachel, how, was, how, how, how are we doing after we last spoke on Sunday? Great. Yeah, doing great. It was a really, really good race. So feeling good. I'm, I'm glad to have a weekend off, though. I agree. I think we talked about this. Like, doubleheaders are good and a thing, but you need some time to breathe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it'll be a good weekend. I'm gonna go see my parents because I've been seeing them in forever and I I don't have to worry about doing a race weekend. So it's a good time. That is good times. Well they probably want to watch a race weekend with you. That's probably true. They'd probably make me like a really good brunch or something. Yeah. Maybe I should have picked a different weekend to go home. um well guess what there's multiple race week there's 19 more race weekends or 20 more race weekends left that that could happen but some stuff from bar from not Bahrain from Saudi Arabia that we missed uh Pierre Gasly he had as he said the most intense stomach pain ever the last like five or six laps of the race and you could even hear on his onboards of him just like grunting and moaning in pain for like the last five laps. You could hear because his their mics obviously are not muted or anything. Even when they're, if you just go to their specific onboard, you can hear him like grunting and everything. And he goes, "Wow, that's such a bad pain, like worst pain in his life." I think his trainer, I saw a video, had to help lift him out of the car. Oh my gosh! Like he could get up to a, a certain amount, and then his trainer helped him get out over the, uh, over the halo. That and, is yeah. crazy. So it was like, they got him checked out with the medical team and they didn't see anything that was wrong with him. So they don't really know what is, uh, what happened with old uh, Pierre, but something, uh, some, something was hurting him bad. Where did you those- see all this from? I saw him talk about it and then I, I saw him talk about it and then I saw videos on like TikTok and um, things like that. And some people, uh, some, some places wrote uh, stories about it. Yeah. Cause I saw he posted on Instagram, just a picture of him like laying and getting an ultrasound on his stomach, but he didn't really say anything about it. He just, he, the, the caption is just something simple. So like it, it had nothing regarding that. So I thought maybe that was just some like training thing, but I'm guessing that was right after the race when he was in pain. Yeah, so, so he said, I think we can be happy on my side. It's been the most painful last 15 laps of my career. So I shorted him on the laps. He said, I don't know what happened with my intestine, but I was dying inside the car. I was screaming because of the pain and just happy the race was done and that we managed to get P8, my intestine on breaking in every left corner was like, I don't have a tear, but I felt like every left turn, someone was stabbing me on the inside, the intestine. So it was not nice. It was mainly like on that right side. So I need to see the doctor. And then oh he said, my the last gosh. Five laps, 
he said the last five laps were about surviving and I was just managing or I was just massively in pain. So just counting the laps to the end. And that's why I'm happy we managed to finish the race. Okay. Well, if it's about surviving, pull the car over Pierre. <laughs> like you want some points. I, he wants those points. You know, I guess that does say a lot about Pierre as a formula one driver. He may be up there with the rest of the crazies. But yeah, the, they're all crazy. But yeah, also especially on that track. Yeah. Oh like, my god, you're right. The fastest, probably the most difficult track on the circuit. We talked about how all of them were just drenched in sweat, um, coming out of their coming out of their cars more so than any other race. Yeah, That's, feel bad for him there. That's terrible. So, do you think at this point in the season, after two races, we can uh, call it? Pretty much going to be a, a fight between Max and Charles, or do you think you could see anybody else creeping up in there? I think I think we I think no, I don't think we can call it. Uh, they're definitely the front runners. Yeah, but what if what if what if say what if team orders change? Like, what if signs rattles off a couple of wins? What if? Well, what yeah, if that also- would that would cause signs to have to win a couple of races though like then then my perspective could change but from where i'm at now we know we know where their team orders stand well okay so what happens we know the team orders stand on red bull but say perez doesn't get uh hurt by the safety car the bad luck and he wins and then he wins in australia are we just going to be like oh well they're gonna they're gonna put all the eggs in the perez for world champion basket or are they that's, just going to let them duke them out? Like that's, that's what like, Mac, or not, that's what the team was saying when they were interviewed. They were like, "Yeah, our like best like our strategy, or like if you want to say like our eggs in the basket go to like whoever's driving best." Like they, yeah. I don't think Red Bull has any problem being like, "Sorry, Max, no." But like if it was like Lewis and Mercedes, I don't think that would ever happen. No, I don't think that would happen either. And I don't want to rule Mercedes out, but I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to rule Lewis out, but it look does not look in bleak right now. They, it's also two races. Like it's super early, super early. They're going to bring upgrades to Australia. They're going to bring upgrades to other races. You got to think they're just spent. But the thing is they don't have as much time in the tunnel in the wind tunnel as all the other teams do because they finish first and it goes by where you finish the constructors. They have less time to try and do the engineering and the cost cap and everything and all that. It's, it's going to be pretty, pretty tough. I think for them to make big, big changes. Wait, so they give more money to the, or the low, the teams that lose get a higher cap for money. Is that what you're saying? No, there's a cost cap where you're allowed to spend. But everyone has the same one, right? Yes, everyone has the same one. Then why would Mercedes have a disadvantage? Because you said they were... Well, because they normally spend so much more than everybody else. Oh. And they also can spend them on the least of time in the aero tunnel. Like Haas can spend the most time in the aero tunnel. Is there only one aero tunnel? No, no, no. But like time that they're allowed in. Like they have to record their times in their own aero tunnel. Wait, why why do they limit the amount of time Mercedes? Because they consume? want to bring the field closer together. That's part of the new regulations that they brought in this year. That's kind of to make it more competitive. So so they're just kind of giving a free pass to the teams that didn't do as well last year. Like it's just it's just kind of annoying. It's not well, yeah, feel like a win. They're trying to, win. Have, they're trying to give them an advantage of saying, Hey, look, you might not have the field. money. I don't well they but huh? Make it level. They don't need more time, less time. I think give everyone the same amount of time in the wind tunnel and the same amount of money. Well, more time lets them get more advanced on it. That's why the Haas car was the most developed car coming into Spain and the preseason testing because they had the most aero tunnel time. I did not realize this. That's why they're trying. That's why things are trying to. They're trying to get things closer together. That's why Alfa Romeo is doing so well. Yes, that's why <laughs> the teams at the bottom of the thing. Um, are doing well so far this year. And they also have um, uh, Ferrari power units. You learn something new every day, people. You really do. (laughs) Um, Did you hear how much Mick Schumacher's car could potentially cost? To to fix? Yes. Oh, no. How much? Do you have a... Would you like to take a guess? 
I, I don't even know like where I would start though. That's the thing. I, I don't, I don't really. Okay. I'll make a guess, I guess. Um, like a hundred thousand dollars. Uh, what if I told you the car there, Scooter is saying it's going to be between a half a million and a million dollars, but closer to the million dollar mark. Oh my gosh. He must've really hit it in the wrong place and broke literally everything. I think Max's crash at uh, Silverstone last year was close to $2 million. Um, Do they get a limit yeah, of that, how much money they can spend to fix crash? Yeah, cars? that's in the cost cap. That, that goes in the cost cap. So, like, if, if you have a driver that's crashing a bunch, like, eventually you could just run out of cars and not be able to fix them? Well, you could run out of money on parts. I think so, yeah. Or you have to allocate, you have to allocate money on what you do in other spots. Oh my gosh. So that's like Latifi's got to be racking up a bill at Williams. <laughs> he definitely is. Do you think we'll see a mid season uh, goodbye Latifi? I, he's, he's done. Like he's, he's the, he's the new Mazepin. He is legitimately <laughs> the new Mazepin. I'm sorry. He is. <laughs> he totally is. Except he's not as like, he's not as much of an asshole as Mazepin. No, he's not at all. Like he's a, a guy. I guess a likable guy. I don't really know. He seems like a nice dude. He's just. I was watching a, one of their the Williams videos, like behind the scenes or whatever, yeah. with him and Alex. They're making sandcastles. And he's kind of like a pick me girl. Like he just, if you know what that is, but like he just, he kind of was annoying to me. Like Alex is just genuine and Latifi's just like a meme and you just can't take him seriously. Yeah, I don't, I'm not a big Latifi guy. Um, but yeah, that's also why they didn't race on Sunday because they don't want him to, um, him to, uh, they couldn't build the car back. And I mean, they still don't know how many parts they need and how many spare parts they can get in time if they can build the car back up to go to race in Australia. This is crazy. Because they have to outsource their parts at Haas. They don't build their own parts like other teams do. Oh my gosh. Wow. Yeah. This is new regulations are coming coming out of the woodwork i obviously didn't read the fia pamphlet <laughs> i guess not i guess not and then we have the tv ratings Ooh, i'm curious do you think take a guess here since do you think um more people watched than the opener in bahrain now remember the time slot was 1 p.m on a sunday not 10 a.m. on a Sunday, I think, or 11 a.m., so it was in the afternoon. Do you think more people watch? Or what's your guess on how many people watch? I'm going to guess there's more people than last time. Because uh, you would be correct. Yeah, I'm right? You are right. Nice. I was going to say because, like, it was such an interesting opener that I think it, and it was a slightly better time. Um, so like if anyone had any doubts after watching the first one, if they would watch the second one, I think that they would, they would get drawn in. Yeah. So there were 1.45 million that average 1.45 million viewers in the U S that is in the U S this is just U S. Yes. We don't care about everywhere else. Um, <laughs> Sorry, well, German listener. It, yeah. In England, in the UK, it only got, they got like 2 million, but obviously they have a smaller uh, population than then this. The Bahrain opener got 1.35 million. And so now this makes it the largest viewed race on cable or on ESPN ever. Like even more than a NASCAR race no. or like an IndyCar race? Um, well, just Formula One. So, so the highest ever Formula One, one race on ESPN was the 1995 Brazilian Grand Prix, which got 1.74 million. I'm going to say that we break that record this year on ESPN. I think so too. I'm feeling it. Well, it's the largest, um, the largest F1 audience since the 2014 Canadian Grand Prix on NBC at 1.49 million. Very exciting. Yeah. So TV ratings are looking good. I have a oh. feeling. Oh wait, never mind. I was going to say that the U.S. Grand Prix this year, or the Miami Grand Prix this year, maybe more Miami, could totally break it. But my is did Miami get bought by anyone else? Because didn't like CBS do the 
U.S. one? Because this no, was- ABC did. It's still ESPN owned. Oh, okay, okay. They're Disney owned because Disney owns ESPN, so they do it on their own. But they put it on cable. Um, the most watched race ever is the ABC's tape delay of the 2002 Monaco Grand Prix, which got 2.78 million. Monaco will get a lot, even though it's early on in the morning, just because it's Monaco. I think that the Miami one is going to beat it. I'm going to go ahead and say that now. I think that so many people are just going to be intrigued by it. And it's also Miami. Like there's just, it's so cool. And also it's in May. It doesn't go up against the NFL, which the, which the uh, race in October did. And we all know it was, if you're going up against a Sunday afternoon slate in the NFL, which is what the Austin did, it's, it's going to be like to to get 1.8 million just based on TV ratings. And he goes, that's a good number because you're going against the NFL games in the afternoon. Like that's, that's a good TV number. But for the second week in a row, you asked about uh, how it did against NASCAR. It, uh, it out, it uh, F1 out your NASCAR and NASCAR was on Fox. They raced, raced at circuit of the Americas. I watched a little bit of that. Um, the, the demo 18 to 34 average 0.44 in the ratings and the NASCAR was a 0.32. Um, well, how many, do you know how many viewers like, a Sunday afternoon football game gets in the U.S. I would say averagely, and so at noon the 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 noon window is the least watched window or the one o'clock. Oh, that's why the Browns always play at noon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or the one o'clock window is the least watched. I'd say those probably get fifteen million. Oh my 10 gosh, ten to fifteen million, and then. And then the three, the four twenty five window gets I don't know the twenties. Then Sunday night football, it's been the highest rated show in America for like the last fifteen, twenty years. More than so the Bachelor. Like, yeah. Oh my god! It's like number one on prime time. If you look at all this, like if you look at the top hundred most watched things in the U.S. every year, TV wise, it's all sports stuff, minus like five or six events um so what did you say that number was for the sunday night game in the 20 millions into the into the depending on who it is could be around 30 something oh my, like that like, that's crazy 20 million yeah maybe f1 will get there one day in the u.s kind of doubt it but maybe um nfl i could i was just doing that off the top of my head but um off the dome as they say um, but yeah, somewhere around there. I don't think I don't think F one's gonna get this. So seventeen point one million was this past year average um viewer for an NFL game. Okay. Grew ten percent from the previous year. So Monday night football averaged fourteen point one eight. Um what else do we got here? Football's Where's... on like every night. Okay, so I was a little yeah, so Sunday night football averaged nineteen point three million. And that's the most watched on uh, the most. Well, Mm -hmm. CBS says they saw a 9% increase in regular season games. It posted a 21.59 million audience, but those have playoffs in there and a little over that, but yeah, around 19. I've stopped listening because this is football and I don't know much about football. (laughs) I was rambling on there, but (laughs) it's like average of 19 million people watch it. I don't know. Okay. But I'm glad that the Formula One was up there again and even yes. better than last week. I don't know. We'll see what Australia does. It's probably gonna drop really far because that's at like one AM my time. So I think they'll have to count in the replay at eight AM then or at nine AM the next morning on Sunday. Look at you. You always know this stuff. Like well, I looked it up. I wanted to see when they did it. I looked it up ahead of time. Wow. I might I'm a- because it's it Saturday night. Like, are they like yeah. a day ahead of us? So I could watch it on Saturday night at 1 a.m. Yes. I think I might Which do it. You're just out and about anyways, right? Yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So this isn't a big you having to stay up late. It's just par for the course. Yeah, par for the course. Um, but no, I'm a, I am like the sports media. I like the media stuff. So I look after. Uh, I see after that. All right. And then. I'm sure we got through the weeds of the NFL stuff, which maybe there's going to be some post-editing on there. We'll see. But uh, Las Vegas race, it's going to be announced before we're recording this, as we said before. But Vegas, 
So now we have three races in the U.S. Reports are that it is going to be the weekend of Thanksgiving in Las Vegas. Haven't seen a, a, a good drawing of the track, but it will be better than the last time F1 raced in Las Vegas, which was in 1982. 1981 and 1982, which it was held in the Caesars Palace parking lot. They will not be racing in the parking lot this time. The track was criticized, obviously, in a parking lot. (laughs) But this is going to be a street circuit. There are rumors that it's going to be going down the link and Caesars on the strip um, for part of it. So we'll have to see there. But Thanksgiving weekend, a night race. I think it's starting at like 8 o'clock. Uh, I don't know if it's Eastern or Vegas time, then that really brings it high up to Eastern, but it's a night race in Vegas, prime time viewing in the U S that means the U S has three races and rumors are that it's going to be on a Saturday. Oh. The race is going to be on a Saturday, but I cannot confirm yet that that seemed to get shot down, but uh, who knows? All I know is it's in Vegas Thanksgiving weekend, and it's at night, and it's probably going down the strip for a stretch of it. And it's going to be amazing, I think. I think it's going to be really cool. I agree. I agree. Vegas vacation. Let's go. On Thanksgiving weekend. Thanksgiving yeah, I don't think anyone would oppose. We could bring Grandpa. He would love it. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't. Know. He, who knows? He might want to go to Vegas. He can't see anything, but he might. He, he, who knows? I bet he could hear the Formula One cars, though. I bet he could <laughs> hear be those. Able, <laughs> yeah, he'll be able to hear those. But there's a lot of people mad online that the U.S. is getting three races. Oh, cry me a river, Europe. Like, come on. I know. I've been, I've, I've, I've been DMing someone, this guy, Sean Kelly. He's a statistician to see if he could come on to talk about this because he lives in San Diego right now, but he's been doing stats for F1 for a long, long time. And he is, he's got the U S back, which I like on having the races here. Um, and he has been saying, look at the U S population. It's like the third largest country in the world or fourth largest. I don't know where we stand right now. They have three races all over the, in three separate regions of the country shall we say from sea to shining sea some may say some (laughs) may say and he goes i don't understand why people are mad about it so he's comparing he's also comparing he just put up a tweet while we were recording so vegas to people are saying vegas and austin are too close but they're 1300 miles away and he goes now He's saying someone's complaining about in Germany, they don't have enough because uh, there's no race in Germany. They don't have enough tracks close enough to them that they could go. So he tweets out, if I live in Germany, I have Spa that's 22 miles away. Zandvoort, Netherlands, 100 miles away. The Red Bull ring is 160 miles away. And then he goes to adds Monda, Monza, the Hungaro ring, Imola in Italy, Monaco, Silverstone, the France track and Barcelona, all of those are within 700 miles of each other. <laughs> and he just pretty much bodies this guy. And he goes, Vegas to Austin is 1,306 miles alone. That's, um, yeah. And and who knows how long these like races are going to stick. Like I could see Miami being like a couple year stint and then life's getting out of the calendar. Um, unless it brings in a ton of money because F1's all about money, but you know, if we just have like a couple years with three in the U.S., like that's it's fun. It's fun for us, at least, I guess. We also have to figure, hopefully, like what track gets eliminated from this. Oh yeah, and that's a tough one. I mean, maybe, maybe. Um, well, I don't even know. Uh, or do they just? Well, Russia. Maybe this takes the permanent spot. I Russia. was gonna say, yeah, it's Sochi because it's so like boring. Sorry. Well, so they weren't- yeah also yeah they are at war (laughs) but also i wonder if saudi arabia is going to be on the circuit next year well with those terror attacks like it's just like why why like when you could go somewhere else i mean the circuit's sick it really is and like i liked it a lot better this year but 
it's just kind of like, is it really worth it for like the safety of all those people that it takes to put together an F1 race? Like if they can guarantee safety or if something changes in that country, which I kind of doubt it, um, then sure, race there. But it's so, it's just not, it's not entirely safe. And there's safer places to go. I saw people on Twitter saying that the U.S. is, is just as unsafe as Saudi Arabia. And I was like, you know, say what you got to say. Yeah. I, there's also the drivers this week said that they want to have the same where they race. So want to have what? A say where they race. Oh. Or at least like some input. And I would say after this past weekend, they don't want to go back to Saudi Arabia. Not because of the track, but just because of all the the drone strikes six miles away from there. Like they would rather go other other places. Yeah. Oh, that would be kind of cool if they had like the driver's choice. And they could pick like five, you know, that might already be on the calendar. But like, that'd be kind of cute. Like it'd be like, the the driver's choice we got a driver's choice race this weekend we're wait, racing in wherever like, that'd be really cute cleveland oh my god they would never pick cleveland <laughs> they could do the they could do like indycar on the at the airport on the lakefront does indycar race there they did oh my god i went to one of the races oh as a kid it was fine turn one was a carnage city Oh god! It crashes all day. It was a hairpin, and it was just crashes galore. <laughs> it was it was pretty cool, I think. Love um, it. But all right, do you want to get into our main topic now? Yes. As you kind of said earlier, do we think that uh, the championship battle is going to be between Charles and uh, and Max? I mean, that's what it's looking like right now. And do you think you said you wanted to talk Carlos Sainz before? What do you What do you want to discuss? Yeah. About? I guess just like Carlos, I think has all like the talent to do really well and be at Charles's level. I mean, he beat him last year in a number of races and to beat him in the points by the end of the year, but he just looks so defeated. He was better than the race before, but in Saudi Arabia, even after that, like you can just tell, like he wants more, like he really wants it. And like, I could see him in a couple of races, just getting that confidence or getting his feet in the ground and potentially joining in on the fight. But I don't know. I worry that he won't. Um, but they, Ferrari was talking about extending his contracts. Um, they're in talks about that. I heard. Um, so that's exciting. I don't see why they wouldn't extend his contract. It's, you know, it's two races into a new, it's a whole new car. Like people are going to struggle. Mm-hmm. And, he's, and like, struggling for Carlos Sainz this year has been two third places, two podiums. Yeah. Like that's, a good, that's a good struggle. Like that's yeah. a good place to struggle. Yeah. That's pretty much all I had to say. I just hope that he can step it up. Cause I really like him. And I, I think, think he's super talented. He's very fast. And I think the thing too, is that he's surprised that Charles is like that much quicker than him. He adapted really fast, but also if you think about Charles, like he had, he's never really had a problem adapting to like a new car. Like when he got into Formula One, his, his first year at Sauber or how you pronounce it? I think it's that say Sauber. I'm probably saying it weird, but anyways, he did so well. Like he really was a shock. And with that car, he really got everything he could out of it. So maybe he is just a quick adjuster to these new cars and new regulations and whatever but um I mean he I mean as I'll get into a little bit like he won like his rookie season in F2 like he's just like an easily adapted kind of guy and maybe Carlos just and Carlos is no Daniel Ricardo. he doesn't need a whole year to get the car under him just a couple of races I think and we'll see him well, getting Charles up there too what he beat Charles last year yeah no I said that yeah yeah sorry so there's I no doubt that he can't do it, but he, I think he just needs a couple of races and I hope he can do it. Um, yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I agree. It just takes some time probably for him. Yeah. All well, right. Yeah. Do we want to get into it? The Max yes. and Charles yes. story, as we could say. And you can see it right now by just hearing they, they have a different respect for each other than I think Max has with other drivers, just between that they've been racing since 2010 against each other. 
as that far as it goes back to. So we're looking at 12 years. I think LeClaire was what, like 10 years old then? I don't know. How old is he now? They're, they're both were born in 1997. So they're my age. I'm 24. Okay. So, so yeah, 12, they've started racing against each other. So for half their life, they've known each other. And you could tell like afterwards in the aunt at Charles gave a congrats to Max. Mm-hmm. That was fun. I don't know if Max would do that to Charles. I don't think he would. But he did. He did in the press conference booth or like the press booth. He came up to him and said, like, when he when he did not finish the one race. No, no, did. I know. I know. I know. Afterwards, you do that. But driving into the pit lane. Oh, after, yeah. say, Charles just did the same thing that Max did. I don't think Max would be saying congrats to congrats to Charles. Mm-hmm. He would have to wait till they got out of the car. They do the high five hug. Good race. That type of thing. I don't think on the onboards or the radio, he'd be saying that. Yeah, or he pulled up next to me even gave him a thumbs up. Yeah, yeah. So there is a mutual respect there. They both talked about it, too, multiple times. But again, as we said, this goes back to his card, their karting days. So I have their karting records. I don't have, like, every race by race. That's correct. Right? Which is fine. I don't think we would want to go through that. But they did karting for four years together, 2010 to 2013. They did a combined 15, like, cups or championships the most was in 2012 when they were in five of the same cups, championships, carding things. Uh, the career record, the career head to head in carding. Do you have, do you want to guess or do you just want me to tell you? Who do you think? I want to know. Okay. I will. I, I guess if I had to guess, I would think Max beat him. You would be correct. Max won 11 to Charles's four. So 70% clip that uh, Max was beating Charles at. And the last in 2013, Max won every single thing they entered, the European Championship, the Euro Series, the World Championship, and the Master Karting Series. He went a clean sweep, four for four, and Charles went sixth, twelfth, second, and fourth. Hmm. Um, and then you got a couple Charles's first. He only got first three uh, twice in karting against Max. That was the 2012 Euro Series, and the 2011 World Cup in KF3, whatever that is. <laughs> KFC. KFC. But I will have to say the most, this goes around on the internet every time, and it's going on the internet um, right now, obviously, because they're in this championship battle. Um, they had a big crash in carding. Um when they were when they were race when they were in a race and it's a viral incident going on in the interviews boy you can watch some of these karting races they're like 20 minutes karting is insane i watched uh, like five minutes of it it is dangerous it is dangerous <laughs> it is very very dangerous but, but the clip we're about to play is Max, is Charles explaining what happened uh, through the incident, through the viral thing, and then you'll hear when Max and Charles have their in, have their interview with the reporter. And it's a minute, 55 seconds, so we're just going to, do you want to pause, or do you want to hear the whole thing, and then we can discuss? Let's listen to the whole thing and then okay. discuss. Have you, you've seen the clip, but have you heard Charles explain it? No. Okay, and this is with Dutch TV Ziggo, I should say. That as a young carter in the old days, you took out Max in a karting race after the jacket flag. After? <laughs> Wait. Or did he take you out? He was leading. He was in the rain. He was leading. He was closing a lot. We were, both of us, quite fine front. And I had to find a way to pass him. So I pushed him a little bit wide. Okay. Who was faster at that point? I was, on, on this particular race, I was faster. So I pushed him a little bit wide, overtook him. Next corner, he destroyed me completely. <laughs> I went from second with uh, five seconds lead to be seven or whatsoever. I came back second. And at the end of the race, after the checkered flag, it, I, I, I remember, I will remember all my life. Uh, and it's, uh, it's a double right-hander. Yeah. And I go Where? next to I go, no, no. And I go on his right, and I look at him and goes like this, all right? Like... What the hell did you do? <laughs> and he was watching me. We touched a little bit. He took the white line that was wet and went straight. 
and there was a huge puddle. Puddle? Yeah, puddle. Puddle? That was probably this high or something. <laughs> he went into and the puddle. He, and he ended up in this puddle, which was like, he was really wet. I probably the water was arriving to his uh, hips or something. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Yeah, the short version is, yes, I did. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank but, you. Uh, yeah, but we both get got disqualified. Him for know. destroying me and me for uh, pushing <laughs> Boldly, sir. <laughs> Max, what's happened? No, it's just unfair. I'm leading, he wants to pass, he push me, I push him back, and after he push me off the track. It's not fair. Thank you, thank you, Max. Charles. What's happened with uh, Max? Nothing, just an incident on the race. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh they're so cute. The, uh, when he's doing the, I go next to him, he's doing the Italian hand thing. Yeah, just, yeah, yeah. Doing the hey, da, 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 the Italian ant thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that but was that's so the big, cute. That's the big clip going around. What uh, it is very funny when you hear Charles explain it. I was looking to hear Max's version of it. I have yet to find a video of him talking about it, but he or a clear enough cut video of him talking about it. Yeah, I bet he. I bet he would do just like Charles and make it funny. Like it was in their past. For sure. But the funniest thing um, is that is that uh, Charles just goes, it was a racing incident. Like, just yeah. racing incident. He's complaining, it's so unfair, it's so unfair. He pushed me off the track, I pushed him back, blah, blah, blah. He goes, oh, just uh, no big deal, just racing. Like, <laughs> they are two types of crazy, and crazy recognizes crazy, and uh, they know that. Oh, my gosh. Um, but that is, that's one of the, so th- that was 2012. So this, I mean, they go back forever. So what do you have about their, uh, I don't think they did anything this bad in formula three or two. They have had some epic duels in F1 though. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I'll start with Max a little bit. Um, so he moved out of karting in 2013 when he was 16 years old. Um, and he did some stints in formula Renault and formula three, uh, testing, um, just just driving, testing a race here or there. Um, and then in January 2014, he drove in the Florida Winter Series and had a few months um, that or and, and a few months later, he drove in the FIA European uh, Formula Three Championship um, and he placed third overall. Um, and then he didn't have like a traditional route. He then from there went straight up to formula one, which is kind of crazy. Um, and he started, um, doing a practice, a practice session with Toro Rosso in 2014, um, for the Japanese Grand Prix. And he was the youngest driver to ever participate in an F1 weekend at that point. Um, and then he became a full-time driver for Toro Rosso and the 2015, um, and then Max remained with them until he was promoted to Red Bull Racing in the middle of the 2016 season, where he replaced Daniel Kivat, who we have talked about, um, all that drama that goes along with that. Um, and then Charles, he had a little bit more of a traditional route. Um, so Max Max was in, I mean, he was in Formula One in 2015. So he's been in it for a while. Um, but Charles... He was 16. What? He was 16 when he was in Formula One. Um. No, no, he wouldn't have been 16. I think he would have been 17. Okay, 17. Yeah. He's the youngest driver to ever win a race and to participate in a race. I thought Lando was younger than him to participate. Okay, maybe to participate, but I know to win a race, he's the youngest ever. Yeah, I think think that's right. Um, But Charles, um, he moved out of karting in 2014, um, the same time, but they went on different routes, so they didn't really have that much... Uh, time to race together anymore so he did uh formula renault 2.0 um then he moved on to fia formula 3 um and and then he was in formula 3 the year after max was in formula 3 so they didn't get to meet there um and then he went on through gp3 series in 2016 and on to formula 2 in 2017 where he won the formula 2 championship um, as a rookie and he was also the youngest driver to do that so obviously they're both very successful 
Um, and then when they, when he, when Charles finally got promoted to F1 is where the Max and Charles story kind of comes back together. Um, Charles first year in F1, um, him and Max uh, didn't really have many scraps, but I think that was probably due to the fact that, um, uh, Charles was driving a Sauber and Max was driving a Red Bull and the, the Sauber just wasn't that uh, competitive, um, compared to where Max was. So, um, then it all starts. In 2019, when Charles joined Ferrari, and we finally saw some of their battles come back. Um, but their first crash was in the Austrian Grand Prix, where Max and Charles collided, which was deemed a racing incident, but was really, really controversial. Um, and Max Verstappen um, took, took, oh, took first in the race, and Charles took second. My notes looked a little wonky there. Um, and then they had another collision that same season uh, in Japan um, where Charles hit Max off the road and Max actually had to retire from the race. So that was uh, another controversial and Carl, uh, Charles ended up getting sick. Um, Charles just kind of like ran him off the road. Should have gave him a little bit yeah. more space. Max on the team radio, Max on the team radio said, what is this idiot doing? Ah, lovely. Um, and then at the, the, British Grand Prix, uh, Charles um, led Max in third place, um, and Max kept coming after Charles. That was like one of their best scraps they've ever had. Um, and after numerous attacks, Charles was able to hold him off. He got driver of the day that day. All great things. Um, but that was them racing good and not not you know getting into any collision. Um, uh, and then there was more collisions that caused damage. Um, and then there was the one in 2020 where Max and Charles and Perez got into a, a little thing, a little scrap, whatever. And um, Max wasn't actually the one that got hit, but when Perez hit Charles, it put him into the path of Max and Max went straight into the wall. He got on the gravel and couldn't stop, went straight into the wall and was done. He was so mad. He like kicked the wall. It was one of those moments. It was the lap one incident too. Yeah, it was so bad. And I mean, Perez, I think got out okay, but uh, Max and uh, Charles didn't. Um, and then in 2021, in terms of crashes, there really weren't many. I think that they were both kind of growing as drivers and weren't making as many mistakes, um, but they did have a bunch of really awesome racing um, and they just have been having less errors, except in Monaco when Charles uh, crashed in qualifying and Max was really, really pissed over the radio about it. It was so funny. Um, and then that brings us to 2022, where we've seen some really, really amazing racing so far that we hope continues on. But as you can see, they go way back in their karting days and have had so much experience and a lot of respect racing each other in their Formula um, One careers and I just think that it's going to be a really good season with them too. I agree. I agree. We kind of, we kind of touched on this before too. Well, let me go back to that Austria one that you brought up the first one. Mm-hmm. I remember watching that race and he passed him with like three laps to go. I think it was like really close towards the end. And I mean, Max just really bullied Leclerc off the track in turn three or four, whatever they call it. One of the hairpins down the off one, two, yeah, it's like turn three or four. He just bullied him wide off the track. Like, You're not, this is my corner. And it was, it was like, it was a racing incident, but it was, <laughs> and Max's response, Max also, the funniest clip he has here, he goes, they asked him about, he goes, if, if that's not a racing incident, I don't want to be a part of Formula One. That's just racing right there. Like, come on. <laughs> That's racing. Like this isn't racing if we're not doing that. This is Formula One. We should be able to race. Like, and he just bodied him off the track. Um, oh my gosh, that's so Max. It was it was a very Max response. And Charles, I think, was like, "Yeah, I, it was a racing incident. I probably got the bad end of the deal there." But yeah, no. So they two races, two great battles. Again, as we said, the respect is there between each other. We said it a prior episode. This is totally different so far than Lewis and Max. Mm-hmm. It's like night and day. Uh, I, I don't, I don't know for sure what the, the difference is. Like maybe you could say it was them having background with each other. Maybe it's the fact that it's not Mercedes Red Bull because they have such like a hate relationship for each other. Um, you know, like maybe like Ferrari and I mean, Matteo seems like a nice enough guy. <laughs> he probably doesn't have any issues with anybody. 
I also think too, it's part of it just because they've known each other for so long. Like yeah. they're, you become friends with them and they're seems, it seems to be that they're friends. Wouldn't you say so? I mean, like when they were streaming back in COVID and stuff, I would, they, yeah. they seemed like friends. Yeah. I think there's also just a mutual respect out of these younger drivers. They like their drivers and their generation and they want to like make sure everyone yeah. can have their time to like prove that they deserve to be there. And I will say the thing about Max and Lewis last year, they had a mutual respect going on. I, I think they still, they still do have a mutual, they still respect each other, but it's probably whatever. It's on a low level or yeah. like they both know how good a driver is. But like they were like, oh, this is a good battle between us. This is fun. But it changed when he put him in the wall in Silverstone. Like Max afterwards, he was like, man, he was, yes, he was racing very aggressive and making sure Lewis was the the less aggressive racer. And, but once Silverstone happened, it was, all right, we're done being Hobby Nobby together. All like, yeah, this is fun. We're having a good time. What a battle it is. It That tone changed. Now, are we going to get an incident? where Charles, that happens to Charles and Max, I think that is the big the big question. They've already had some pretty... Close calls. Like, close calls, the Austria incident. That's Silverstone. If you go watch it, you could go just find the battle on YouTube. Like, they are going at it for multiple, multiple laps. And it is great racing, but they are going at it hard. And you could even see so far this year how their driving styles in Bahrain... I guarantee you Max last year would have tried to take a dive on the inside when they go to the turn four after Charles passed up where he thought he could get in there and be aggressive, but he backed off and would wait like being a little more patient, not as aggressive. He's, he's changing his driving style because he, he knows how Charles drive. Charles knows how Max drive and they know what they're going to do. And he's, and they're just playing a game of chicken out there. I think, I also think that, Charles has a very like high driving IQ, probably higher than Max's when he just can think about what's coming ahead, what's behind. Like, I think Max is all about like, he's a bit more the aggressor and Charles is so, he can really think about his race. He's like, okay, I'm going to let Max pass me here because I know there's a DRS zone soon and I know I can pass him there. Like, and he knows that the first time around, Max is going to have to like figure out the hard way two times before he finally figures it out. And Charles is like, oh, you caught on to like my strategy. But like Charles, I think just has a really high racing IQ compared to Max. So I think Max is going to, it's there's going to be a good competition between the two of them. And he's got more patience too, is what you're trying to say as well, I think. Charles? Yeah. Like, like yeah. as you're talking about with the DRS zone. How how much do we hear on the radio this past week? Max, you were patient today. Wait, not wait. He he closed the DRS on that when he passed him on the straight. Max, you were patient. You were patient. Never have you heard patience and Max's name in a sentence together. No. It's, as you said, always the aggressor, always the aggressor, going for it, trying to make every pass as quickly as possible. He's well, got to he learn. I can't do that. As you said, Charles, I agree with you. More patience leads to more higher driver IQ. So he's more strategic and the whole patience and everything on that. Yeah. He could just think ahead, I think, but better than Max. Max is just like, see ground, go fast space. I take like, you know, and then like Charles is a bit more like, okay, so upcoming, I know what turns here and that's the zone. And if Max is there, I can do this and I know I'll be fine. Okay. I'm do I'm going to do that. Like, I just think he can think ahead a little bit more. Um, and Max is going to have to learn how to do that with Lewis. It was all about, just those like battles like okay I just need to out aggress him and then I'll be fine um but with Charles he's gonna have to drive a little bit smarter than harder I would agree with that I would agree with that um but uh no it should be hopefully I mean it's gonna be a good battle going forward yeah and I hope somebody else joins the fray it would be lovely I would love it if both teammates got in on the action yeah Perez four for four all Every man for themselves, showdown, no team orders. Because I don't think any team would do team orders. They just let them scrap it out. Yeah, unless they started crashing into each other. Then yeah. they would have to give them some team orders. Um, but that, I, I agree with you. It would be so entertaining to see. And then maybe even, like, because all four would be doing so well, you could really get into some awesome strategy for the Drivers' Constructors' Championship, too. Um, yeah. I think that'd be awesome. I think it'd be awesome if Valtteri Botas gets into here. Gets into the, the race. I don't know if he will, but I would love to see him get 
uh, get first, um, get some more podiums. It would just make my heart float on the Botas boat. I was um, what I want to see happen this year. I want Botas to get a podium before Russell. Yeah, mm-hmm. I would. I would. I would like that. Yeah, qualified him the first time. He didn't beat him in the race the first time. Um, he and got the unlucky. second time he didn't finish. He didn't finish. He got unlucky, but that car keeps going on. And I look, we said earlier, the big question mark is Mercedes this year. What do they do? How do they bounce back? Cause Toto made the whole grand thing on drive to survive at the end. Who's he's looking like a little bit of a clown with that statement right now. Well, so is Lewis when he said like, I, I, this is going to be like the best driving you've ever seen from me. Like he said something like that. And it's like, I mean, but it's not his fault. I, I, it's the car. It's, it's totally the car. And like that, that's why the constructors are such a big deal. And some people forget about that. There's great drivers, but they have to have a great team and a great car under them. That is true. That is true. Is there anything else you want us to touch on or should that wrap it up for us this week? I think we're good to wrap it on up. All right. We will be back next week with our Australian Grand Prix race preview, a track we have not raced at since 2019 where the whole pandemic started in 2020. We'll do a little track profile, add that in there. We've got some changes next week to the circuit. Uh, Things are looking good. I've been seeing some TikToks of Albert Park, where they race at. Uh, Looks to be uh, good there. So that's going to do it for us on this episode of Paddock Pals. Can you do an Australian accent? I do not. You don't have one in you? No, do you? Um, what's Wait till next week. Okay, next week. Good idea. Wait till next week. <laughs> but, yes, wait till next week. If you liked it, like and subscribe on YouTube, right, or leave a review. And or not on YouTube, on uh, iTunes, sorry. And uh, we'll be back next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Talk to you then. Mm-hmm.